Hi everyone, welcome back to Educators Going Global. We're recording this little episode today as a way to encourage you to come to our site at www.educatorsgoingglobal.com and check out our Going Global stories. These are also on our YouTube channel. And today we're going to highlight what's fun about some specific videos. And then we're going to add in our similar experiences because, you know, you hear these stories and you always think of, oh, yeah, I remember a similar story. So that's kind of the concept here. Exactly. And Audrey, I've gone through the videos several times and I get a laugh. And just those kind of idea moments that come up because you go, yeah, as you're saying, I had that experience too. Yeah. And one of the themes through these first videos are animals. It's kind of funny. And we'll share a little bit more about some specific animals. But one of the animals are the camels. Yeah. And you and I had some experience with uh, camels all the way back in Saudi, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Camel races, camel Camel souk. Camel (laughs) souk. That was the thing. You take your kids out to the camel souk. You definitely know you're overseas at that point. Did you ever buy a camel there, David? <laughs> that makes me think of Stephen Bush and his family buying a pig. Yeah, or, the pig story. And not buying a pig. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Jacqueline Millay shares some, some really fun stories. And one of them deals with being in China and working with her stepdad. Just a, a minor task of putting your luggage in one of the luggage lockers and figuring it all out. And Jacqueline comes out and finishes that little share with the yeah. with the line that every day is an adventure as an international educator, and that really sang so true to me. I was so like, true. Right, right, and it's just those moments of I'm not back in Newport News, Virginia. This is so cool. Mm-hmm. We're not in Kansas anymore. No more. I, you know, along a similar line when she was talking about that, I recall trying to navigate the Tokyo subway system, which is massive and, you know, very organized. If you read Japanese, (laughs) it'd make it a lot easier. But yeah, those are fun times, you know. So I'm heading to Japan in a few months. So I'm hoping since the last time you were there that they now have some English up in the signage. I hope so. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yes. You know, you and I are of a similar mind that it's really fun to interact with locals and learn some of the language, you know, even for a short trip, at least hello and thank you. And, you know, Jacqueline really expresses that well with her story of playing backgammon in Istanbul. But I wanted to talk for a second about a trip we had to Jordan and I wanted to buy a carpet and the local culture kind of requires that you haggle, but part of it is sit down and talk to the person and meet them. And, you know, it's kind of rude to, you know, as Westerners, we just want to jump in and say, how much is it? And start the bargaining right there. And they want to sit down and have several cups of tea and have a conversation. And there was this one guy that, a carpet hawker, yeah. And I wanted this carpet and I went back multiple times from our hotel and sat with him and chatted. And it was lovely. Highly recommend. Take your time shopping and meet the vendor. But, you know, one of the things, one of the conversations we had was people are 
so much more alike than different. And that's kind of been a running theme of my life in developing empathy and understanding of diversity. And it is really great when you just meet someone who has a completely different background and yet is so like-minded. And we just talked about, you know, how great it would be if everyone thought the same way and we could just all love each other and understand Mm. and have peace and, you know, take care of each other. So that was wonderful. Well, a riff on your riff, remember back to the compounds we lived on in Saudi in Riyadh, you'd walk in your neighbor's house and there'd be these beautiful carpets all over the place. And you go, oh my gosh, you bought more carpets. And yeah. the reply would be, no, they're just letting us try it out for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so that was pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good marketing tactic because <laughs> most of the time people would buy at least one oh, from yeah. that, right? Yeah. We ought to do yeah. a poll of all the people that have worked with us in Riyadh there to see what's the grand total that one person bought, you know, who bought the most of, of carpets for sure. <laughs> uh, My money's on Jenny. Yes. I would go with that one too. So I've got a video up about this topic in a lot of ways. It's the idea of going on walkabouts wherever your new city is. And so many of the stories that we're going to be sharing and already have up are taking big trips. But there's also just going out in your neighborhood and experiencing the food, as we're saying, interacting with folks as best you can uh, with whatever the language is. So my thing in Vietnam was art. And so I really reached out um, through gallery owners to meet artists, then go to their workshops, get to know them, sit down, I have some coffee, and I would buy art. So it's very comparable to the carpet. So wherever you end up in the world, definitely make those big trips, but also don't forget your, your neighborhoods. Yeah. You know, we've talked about the theme of making an effort to be a global nomad, not just an expatriate yes. who has their own bubble. So yes, I think that's excellent and good for you. Um, I'm sure they really appreciated that you went to their shows and things. Yes. That's awesome. And you came out with some great artwork. So win-win. <laughs> it makes me think of uh, the time when my family, we were in Cape Town, South Africa, and I really wanted to visit the Cape Flats. Uh, we'd already gone to Soweto in Johannesburg and my family was kind of like, ugh, we're kind of over uh, seeing the townships, but it was important to me. So they agreed to tag along, but we got a, not a regular tour. We only wanted a half day and uh, the travel company said, well, maybe if there's someone who's on their day off, who's willing to take you. Well, we connected with this guy and he picked us up and he's, you know, he had said, well, I can spare an hour. And my family was all about that. They said, yes, that's good. Mm. But he was from the Cape Flats. And so he took us on actually what turned into an extended tour because we kind of got to know him a little bit. And he was really quite proud of, you know, what was going on there and their entrepreneurship and how things were working out. But a couple of places he took us to, one was a, you know, a witch doctor's shop. And we just saw all these incredible, you know, the animal parts and Mm. all the different potions Potions. that he used. But I, I, took an extended time just chatting with him about what is it like to be a witch doctor Mm. and to uh, perpetuate this craft that your forefathers, you know, worked on. It was really fascinating and just another interaction with a local. And then 
From there, we went to a Shabin, oh. which is an illegal bar. I don't really quite know how they stay in business. Yeah. Maybe they move around, but it was in one of those, you know, those corrugated oh, iron, yeah. you know, shacks that they have in a lot of these places with uh, lower comes. And for a dollar, you could become quote unquote a member for the day. And that meant you could drink as much beer as you want. And there were a couple of quote unquote members yeah. <laughs> already there. And they're these you know, grisly old guys <laughs> laying on the floor looking in many states of drunkenness off oh. this homemade beer that was, was very pungent. And uh, they served it up in a great big, like a gallon can of Neato, you know, powder, whatever that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, it had a huge frothy head on it. And I said, well, we're here. We got to do it. Well, they <laughs> passed it around to everyone, you know, so these old derelicts are sipping out of this can. And then I, you know, tried to get my kids to drink out of it. And uh, then I, you know, my husband, Mark, and I both drank out of it. And it was just such a cool, oh, wow. again, that local flavor, you know, just really getting out there and, and trying things and getting your feet wet, so to speak, was amazing. Very communal. So yeah, you were going out on the extreme limb there. About as far as I will go is in Saigon to go to a craft <laughs> beer bar. That's about as far as I'll go. Uh -huh. Oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, jumping to Mel and Cole, first year international educators, and we had a great episode with them. Yeah. So they had the experience of going out on a yacht. So I'm wondering, Audrey, have you had much experience with boats or do we have any other videos dealing with boats? Yeah, I think Ghazi Gashut did one about he was on a, a tour and the motor died on their oversized canoe and the driver was just kind of flailing his hands. They were out in the middle of nowhere and Ghazi ended up paddling for an hour, over an hour and was exhausted. And he was just like, you know, how often does this happen yeah. that you're out in the middle of nowhere paddling the boat yourself? Save the day. Yes. Dial up the resilience. That is for sure. Yes. So on an easier circumstance, I can share that one of the big things in Hong Kong, at least in the past, hopefully it's still there, is you could rent a junk, you know, one of these really large oh, nice. vessels. And they look like they have sails, but they really are motorized. You, know, you have a captain to take you to and fro. So that was always one of the big fun things to do there in Hong Kong. Uh, do you have any boating experience? Well, I was thinking about when we were in Vietnam and near in the area of Hanoi, and we went to a beautiful, beautiful place called Halong Bay, where they have these karsts. And so there are oh, caves, yeah. you know, limestone kind of caves inside that are all lit up. It's just gorgeous. And on this situation, we had rented the junk as a family. And, you know, it's not that expensive to do in these countries. At least it wasn't when we did it. You know, it was probably, this was probably close to 20 years ago. And you're sailing in the harbor and their style of tour was they serve you your meal on the way over. Well, this was my husband, who's a vegetarian, myself and my two kids who were quite young at the time and not super adventurous eaters. So they brought us probably a seven or eight course meal. Oh my. And I was the one eating most of the food. And, you know, one of the items I remember vividly was a squid salad and squid was something I'd never tried. But oh. here I am trying to, you know, taste things and enjoy them. But I loved the Vietnamese cuisine. So for the most part, I was really, really enjoying these meals. But 
you know, at a certain point I was so stuffed and the kids are eating rice and French fries. Yes. That's it. And, <laughs> you know, Mark might eat around the meat, but he wouldn't eat, you know, the meat. And so here I am trying to uphold the family honor and, you know, be the ambassador <laughs> all by myself. I was so stuffed. And they brought out this entire fish. And I think it was over a foot long. Oh and my. I just, I was done. I said, you know, I, I just can't do it. And please, you enjoy it. Take it back to the kitchen. I, I don't mean to offend, but I just can't stuff in oh. any more. And they said, oh, just a taste, just a taste. I said, I thank you. But if I taste it, then, you know, now it's spoiled. You're not going to want to eat from what I've already eaten. Uh, so just please go enjoy it. And, uh, you know, they relented and eventually <laughs> took it to, back to the kitchen. But boy, I don't recall ever being so stuffed. But that was that was quite an experience. Well, you're such a gracious person and always considerate of customs and feelings of other people. I could tell that that must have been a very difficult situation for you. But I'm I'm sure you handled it well, because the Vietnamese people are very gracious people, too. They, you know, they don't want to offend. Absolutely. But they want their, their guests to. And that is, I've eaten in a lot of Vietnamese homes and out in restaurants with Vietnamese people. And food is a big part of the culture. So that's so cool you all did that. A quick side note with how long they, I was telling you before we recorded, I was looking at how long, because I'm going back to Vietnam, and now there's so many junks, so many of these big yachts out there that you really have to try to find a corner of Halong Bay where it's not so crowded. So oh, you got there before the crowds, Audrey. Good yes, job. we did. We did. Yeah. <laughs> so it's something. So we've got Greg, one of our great storytellers. And so I, I'm hoping we're going to get him to come back and keep supplying us with stories because they're humorous and self-effacing. Let's go, Greg. Yes, let's go, Greg. No pressure. And so he's got a great story when he was in Venezuela. I don't want to give too much away now that I think about it, but it deals with animals, specifically some insects. And I just have this memory back 10, 15 years ago in the U.S. about this great fear of the killer bees coming north from Latin America. So maybe that will tempt people to go listen to his story about animals, but he mentions in there that it was a student trip, which made me think of, ah, oh, might have been a week without walls, which connected again to my time in Hong Kong. And big picture for our listeners who are kind of new to international education, week without walls, especially in the middle school and high school, your different groups of kids are going out with their teachers and you hire companies to help, some in country, some out of country. Um, but at this school, they'd been doing the week without walls in the upper elementary. So picture third, fourth, and fifth graders going to what they called um, these kind of like country parks, country camps. It was wild. That's crazy. And you would know we're getting close to a few weeks ahead of time because you'd start hearing the murmuring of the teachers in the teacher lounge about, we shouldn't have to do this, we, we shouldn't go, and all this because the teachers would sleep in the dorms oh, no. <laughs> with the kids. And so it was, yeah. And, and so you're trying to manage third graders uh, or uh, fourth graders or fifth graders. So it was a wonderful experience. And I'll do a quick shout out to someone a lot of people know in international education, Mike Lambert. He's a child at heart. And man, he just dove into those weeks. He was three, four. So I think we'd go for four days. 
Uh, we had such wonderful experiences, and he'd be leading the kids through every activity. Just a great guy and a great educator. You got to have one of those. You eh? do. You do. I went on some uh, Week Without Walls trips myself, and uh, I totally hear what those teachers were saying. It is sort of hard to, especially if you are the ones putting the trip together. You know, sometimes we go on these trips and there are yes. organizations that have, you know, like camp counselor type of people who are so animated and so great with the kids. And, you know, those trips are a little less stressful, but when the teachers themselves are planning the whole trip and trying to link it to their curriculum and so many, you know, permission forms, flights, all that stuff, there's really a lot to it. Yes, huge. So I know you were, you were involved in some of these. So what was one of your trips? What was one you did? A couple of trips that I was on involved s'mores and if anyone doesn't know what a s'more is, it's kind of a sandwich made with toasted marshmallow, chocolate, and graham crackers as the sandwich part. And I love them. <laughs> when we were in Singapore, we yeah, we used to do a trip that we, one of the nights, we stayed on a very small, basically strip of sand with nothing else oh. there called Survivor Island. Oh named, I'm sure, by the kids who just thought, oh, because there was nothing. We started off by digging our latrines, for example. And the one thing we did to kind of make it fun for the kids and have a carrot for them, you know, as they went over to Survivor Island was we had s'mores. And so we'd have a campfire with these s'mores. And one of the times we got there and I don't remember if the ice in the cooler had melted, but you know, this was actually a trip in Malaysia from Singapore to Malaysia and the weather is pretty hot. <laughs> so Ooh, yeah. all the Hershey bars had melted. <laughs> and so you couldn't open them and get out yes. a bit of a bar and put it on someone's sandwich. So we ended up somebody, I think it might've been a student had the bright idea of if you just cut the corner of the chocolate bar wrapper, now it's kind of like a cake icing device and you just squeeze the you know the packet and this <laughs> liquid chocolate comes out and there were chocolate bars left over at the end of the night and didn't Audrey go and cut oh, off no. the corners and squeeze it right into her mouth oh. because I am a chocolate freak oh. which is so bad for you but I've cut way back now but in the, <laughs> at the time and then my other some more story was in Senegal where a large percentage of the kids were Muslim. And I, somebody had suggested, some teacher had suggested to me, I was a little worried because this, you know, sometimes a class, and this was the 10th graders, has a bit of a reputation as a tough class. Hmm. And this was one of those. And I was a little anxious about going on this trip. And one of my friends, colleagues said, well, have s'mores. You know, that is always a way to kind oh. of get the kids to feel good about the trip and to, you know, be glad that you're on the trip, particularly. And I said, oh, great idea, great idea. Well, finding marshmallows wasn't easy, but I did finally find some. I get on the trip. I'm all excited. I'm telling the kids, we're going to have s'mores. We're going to have s'mores. And most of them had never heard of them. I bring them out. And one of the kids says, oh, these marshmallows, and unbeknownst to me, they're made from the gel of the marshmallow. Do you know what it's made from, David? No. Is it from the from a pig? 
they're from hooves, animal oh. hooves. And in this case, the guy said, I think these could be have pig in them. Exactly. Oh. So you nailed it. And I was oh. so deflated because this was the big, exciting activity. Oh. And all of a sudden, you know, half the kids or more than half the kids are going to feel left out. So in the end, I said, well, I don't think it was me. One of the kids maybe said, well, I'll just have it just with chocolate. You know, so mm-hmm. the super strict Muslim said, I'll just have it with chocolate. And some, of course, declined. And a couple of them said, I'm going to take a chance because we couldn't prove, we didn't have uh-huh. Wi-Fi signal. So we couldn't, you know, Google it and check the ingredients uh, for sure. So uh, a couple of them said, I'm just going to take the chance that they're made from cow hooves and not pig hooves. Oh so that was quite an interesting some more story. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you know a lot about s'mores. Yeah. And then I'm sure a lot of people listening right now are going, <laughs> what happens when you have, I don't know, 200 kids and you give them s'mores at eight o'clock at night? <laughs> the bedtime doesn't quite happen on time. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's a little... That was Survivor Island. They weren't going to sleep anyway. They were Ooh. all petrified. Oh, my gosh. What a story. Holy cow. All right. So... Greg brings up a small world story of being out and about in another place in the world. And out of the blue, someone comes up and says, hello, I used to be your student or I was a parent. of." Yeah. Uh, so th- that's something that I'm sure we're going to get a lot of those stories. And it reminds me of when I was transiting. I was in Japan. I'd gotten off one plane from the U.S. And I was heading to Vietnam to start my job. And I looked over and there was this family just packed down with luggage. There was the the father and the mother and then these three teenagers, all of them moving as quickly as they could. They had to catch their flight. And I looked up and I go, Clint, Uh, he turns towards me. He goes, Dave, what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing just what you're doing. I'm going to my new post. He was going to Jakarta to start his as a high school principal. And I was going to Vietnam to start my job as a counselor wellness coach. That's so cool. I love small world stories. Yeah, yeah, they're so much fun. So any more thoughts about our going global stories? Anything else you want to share? Well, just that I think there's so much fun and I'm sure that our especially veteran international teachers have been in the situation where you're at a party or something and you know somebody tells a story and you end up remembering another story and that leads to someone else remembering another story and it's i just think it's so much fun and i'm really hoping to crowdsource this and that people will start sending us their stories for us to post exactly and i think that's a great point that it could be at a cocktail party or you're sitting at the beach with a friend and that the way our brains work laterally you know we hear something and then that mm-hmm. leads to another thought so when that happens, make a mental note and say, you know what, I'm going to make a going global story. And I, well, I mean, in our way of doing it, you make a video and then you mail it, email it to us at educatorsgoingglobal at gmail.com. So folks, go back down that memory trail and think of those stories and be ready to share them with us. We'd love to post them on our YouTube channel. And please, again, come to our website where you can enjoy these Educators Going Global stories that we've posted. And until the next time that we have a chat, folks, don't forget to join us to travel, teach, connect, 
as we enjoy sharing these stories about going global. Thank you for joining us today on Educators Going Global. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the other usual suspects. Please subscribe, like us, and leave a review on Apple and Spotify, and let your teaching friends know about us so we can grow our community. Please reach out at educatorsgoingglobal at gmail.com and join our Facebook group, Educators Going Global, if you have ideas, comments, or wish to share a going global story of your own. You can also find us on Instagram at Educators Going Global. Please visit our website as well, www.educatorsgoingglobal.com. All our podcast episodes are on there by topic, along with blog posts, going global stories, and our ever-growing resource library. For now, this is Audrey and David inviting you to travel, teach, and connect with us.